Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! I'm not going to do that again. This is The Fizzle Show. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co, training and courses and community support to help you run a small business. Try your first five weeks as a listener for the show for free when you go to Fizzle.co slash try five. In this episode... With all the existing platforms out there to sell your product through, your Amazon, Etsy, Creative Market, Minted, iTunes, etc., is it really a good idea to spend time making free content? Tons of experts advise building up an audience at your own website so you can create an ongoing relationship. But is this too, you know, old school to work these days? Because let's face it, it's a lot of work to make content enough to build a following. That's what we're going to get into today. So let's get into it. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 149. I'll be back after this conversations to fill in any gaps. And we're back! Oh man, this, this is starting right in the middle of a big bite from Barrett, mm. who broke his ability to plan successfully for blunch. <laughs> so he's bleeding, eating, while we podcast. Oh, and hold on, let me do this. Ah, this episode brought to you by La Croix Fitted Water. It's so fitted to make your face go woo-woo! Chase, have we told uh, people about the uh, little OCD thing we suspect you have relating to chewing? No, man. No, we haven't told people about that. I tried to to keep that under wraps. Uh Uh-oh. I don't. No, I don't. I actually now would prefer that the whole world knows it. Now people are going to come and chew in your ear. Just start chewing in my ear. Ugh. It's a it's a it's a condition that I have um, for some reason. It's a it's it's just I can't like I can't even eat a banana by myself. And little brother Barrett pokes that box well. You have to turn the stereo up. If, if you want I to- literally have to like go for a walk or put on headphones or something like that. I just need I need ambient noise to eat a banana. Jeez. Are you anti chewing? I just like I, for some reason it's just like the sound of it just it goes straight to the. Straight to the to the I don't know to something. To me, it's spinal. It's that primal. <laughs> the hypothalamus. Yeah, it's something. Uh, so, but you know, I work on it. My wife is, has zero grace about this. She's like, you know what? You need to just get over it because these are the sounds that people make when they eat. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be in the other room trying to recover. <laughs> <laughs> it's like three nails on it's a difficult. chalkboard. It's difficult, but they, but you know, life is difficult, huh? Get in line, right? So on the episode today, on the show today, <laughs> uh, we got anything uh, back? We're, we're, we've got Steph back. Thank God. Back. I mean, there the I show barely held its held itself together last hey, week. You guys Steph did a great a job. Thing? I thought it was a great episode. Nice work. Yeah, you listened to our podcast, Steph. Of course. Aww. I had to know what kind of damage was going down behind my back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not too much. I, I think we no, did minimal great. damage. We didn't throw you under actually. the bus. I don't think. 
We yeah. got a comment from a listener who said it only took us like eight minutes and 39 seconds to get to yeah. the action. So yeah. that's really good. impressive. What's, what I've learned is that if you whine about something enough, people will start going like, oh, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Don't don't worry about that. And that's Make all I wanted. Better. That's all I wanted. Better. How long are we right now? Tell me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, okay. Other than that, uh, Steph had a great time in the UK. We heard all about it. You can keep your, your experience to yourself if you'd like, Steph, but you can share maybe one, one event if, you, if you'd like from your, your trip to the UK. I'll just say I never knew it was possible to eat so many scones. I didn't know scones were so delicious scones. and amazing. Oh, my. So for all of our UK listeners, man, I'm already missing the cream tea. That was you have my a little clotted cream? I am, I am pregnant for those who missed it, so that might have something to do with it. But um, Does that have was, something to do with your enjoyment of the cream tea? I think so, but it was mm. delightful. It was a really mm. great trip, and it was really fun to catch up with an old friend of mine, and it was a lot of fun. But I'm happy to be home, and I'm glad to be back on the show with you guys. Okay, one little moment here before we jump into our to our episode. I mean, you know, it's a lot of a, it's kind of a hassle to get out to Europe from America. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a, kind of a hassle to travel anywhere for anything. But I, I oftentimes am surprised by how glad I am that I did it because I had no, even though I've done this hundred times before I'm leaving, I'm like, this is gonna suck. I, yeah. Why am I doing this? Totally. What, was that this experience too? Oh God, absolutely. And I had a very convoluted trip home. It was like 18 hours or something. Um, but I'm still very glad I did it. But yes, there is always that anticipation of, I'm one of those people who worries about my sleep and I'm like, okay, how am I going to get, how am I going to oh, get to sleep? You just said it, right? I'm one of those people who worries about my sleep. Yep. Why did I, why did I get that too? <laughs> because I know, I know every night if I have the thought, oh, I wonder if I'll be able to dig it. Yep. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's already ruined. Exactly. I already have to do, I have to, I have to like go through my whole process then. Mm-hmm. It's no I point if I just uh, set the alarm for an hour later, every time I have that thought, it usually helps. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean in the morning? No, in the evening. Like if I'm having that thought and I'm freaking out about getting enough sleep, I just get up, set the alarm for an hour later, and then I'm able to go to sleep for some reason. Oh, really? Because I made up for the last hour. That oh, I that's a great strategy. That's a life hack, bro. So life hack. Post life hack. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a little bit. A uh, little. Uh, see how I'm doing? I'm just oh, like. How's your father? Little. How's your father? Uh huh. Little. <laughs> little how's your father? Oh, that's good. And Corbett, Mexico's all good. Oh, how's that's the so weather? Good. Are you doing sunrise yoga down there or what? Sunrise yoga, He's doing sunset, sunset cocktails, cocktails. And everything Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, you guys do have a lot of fun oh down there in Mexico. God. It is uh, one hell of an adventure. You know, life is. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Um, just uh, uh, listen, guys. I'm, I seriously watch one of those school life videos every day, and they still blow my mind. <laughs> We're starting with one cool thing today, apparently. I just, I, I, I mentioned it, but listen, I'm serious. They're amazing. They're incredible. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, with when, when I watched uh, was on a guy that I'd never heard. Sorry. I'm going <laughs> to stop. I'm going to say. I swear. I'm going to stop. Swear, I'm going to stop. This one that I watched, though. I'm going to stop. Jeez, today, please. we're sponsored by La Croix and School of Life <laughs> and Sunset Cocktails in Mexico. <laughs> okay, so Barrett. You were approached uh, with a uh, an email from someone, and you thought it would be good fodder for a conversation on the show. Would you mind introducing? I just want to say, no one actually emails me with questions. It's just that Steph was out of town, and I was handling intercom. So there was Barrett like at intro to Steph Barrett Steph. Allen Brooks. I'm so thankful you're on the team. And biz. I'm not always comfortable posting in the forums. Send in your inquiries, person. To uh, why would you get my email out <laughs> on the air like that? <laughs> All right, so tell us what we're talking about. Anyways, all right, let me read through this thing. So, God, we are like Morning Sue, and I like it. I'm all right with it. All right, Barrett, hit him with it. (laughs) 
Oh, God. Every time you do that thing, I think of this week in Atlanta hip hop. Oh, no. I just spit tea on my computer. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Here is the question. We are getting to it. Let us know how long it took. After learning that my business falls under the established sales platform marketing channel, things are starting to make sense. So we talk about marketing channels inside of Fizzle for those of you that aren't inside of there. And uh, if you aren't, you can also listen to our uh, two-part podcast series on growth channels and marketing channels, which is where this comes from. So she says, "Um, after I learned that my business falls under the established sales platform marketing channel, things are starting to make sense. Prior to joining the Fizzle community, my online readings and research on online businesses would mostly say, grow your audience, build your audience. You need an audience, 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 audience. That's how I imagine that to be typed. (laughs) This didn't quite sit well with me for some reason. In my head, red flags would raise and I would be thinking, shouldn't I work on products first? With the idea of thinking I needed to grow my audience, I went ahead and created my website late October of 2015 with an opt-in form, links to my sales platform, but... I felt that my page was too static for some reason, and I felt the need to make it more engaging. So I thought it would be a great idea at the time to commit to start creating design tutorials and share some tips through posts in the new year, as I felt this was going to help get traffic to my site. Long story short, I'm struggling to keep up with creating engaging content on my site. I feel a bit in regret of mentioning I will be creating tutorials as I realize how much of a commitment this will be. And I feel as though I'm further away from my initial business goals, which are my existing online shops on creativemarket.com and minted.com, which are sales from my existing online shops. Part of me wishes I didn't launch my site at the time that I did, because now I feel somewhat of a fraud for not being able to consistently put material out when I said I would. I feel my energy can be really well spent creating products on my sales platforms, but I also know I cannot undo what I've done. But I was wondering if you guys had any suggestions or advice on my situation as I want my business to primarily be focused on my products before anything else. So to sum that up, here's what she's saying. She has products on these two existing sales platforms online called creativemarket.com and minted.com. But all the online business gurus out there, like these guys and gal over here, keep saying, audience, 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 audience. Did you build your audience? Have you done your audience? Are you having enough audience yet? And she was like, well, I guess I need to build an audience. So I'll start putting content out. So Rather than talk about my products that I make as a designer, I'll teach design tutorials, and I'll do that about once a week in the new year. So in other words, she was creating a content strategy to start 2016. Now, a couple months in, about five weeks in, really, to the new year, she's saying, wow, this is a huge commitment, and I'm not sure it's actually helping me sell any more of my products. It seems like there must be a more straightforward way to make more revenue from my products without putting all this effort into content. So she wants to know from our perspective, how do I grow my revenue without a blogging or podcast or content strategy of some type and go straight through my sales platforms? Well, that's it, I'm glad it's, it's an easy question. It's, it'll take me about an, a minute and a half to answer it. A uh, couple if, tweets. It, if, you, if you follow Chase underscore Reeves on Twitter, I have already, in fact, uh, mentioned this. There was an answer to this. Mm-hmm. So you just look there. What was the answer? It was in the Twitter. No, but I think it was, the answer was 45. Uh, it is... So close. You are right there, man. I, I mean, was, I was thinking it's the answer is probably like 75 minutes a day of marketing. Have we talked about that one on the show yet? No, what's that one? Uh, we won't go there. Anyways. Okay, don't go I, there. I know what you're getting at. Yeah. 
<clears throat> Anyone in the forums knows. Oh, I got it. Got it. Okay. Wow, look at that. That was a good little... <laughs> Great little forums like insider business. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, okay, so so I'm liking this and 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 make it's it's helping me fire up a handful of little like you know signals up of a handful of things I want places I want to go and talk about. But what I want to let, let's just maybe go here and Corbett, I'll send it to Mexico to to Mr. Content himself, Corbett Lee Barr. Where how is this how is this landing for you right now? Uh, it's landing in a bunch of different ways i'd say the thing that sticks out first is this heavy feeling that we get from hearing um her story about how she just feels stuck and fraudulent she said she said part of me wishes that i didn't launch my site at the time that i did because now i feel somewhat of a fraud not being able to consistently put material out when i said i would uh and so there's just this really heavy feeling like there's all these regrets that she's having about having uh, started down this content path. And the first thing I wanted to to say is just nothing is permanent. Just because you decided to start something doesn't mean that you have to do it forever. And you can easily change course. And uh, if you haven't built an audience, then there aren't that many people that you're going to disappoint if you de- decide to change direction. So um, I hope people listening to this don't get into this this pattern of feeling like they're stuck because they committed to something. I know that um, that we've felt this way before, and it's good to kind of pick your head up, look around, realize that you have options, and uh, and she certainly has a lot of options here. And she's right, I think, in thinking that she can reevaluate whether or not she needs to build an audience at all. You know how that gets me is is just the the generally the how heavy a content kind of business feels to people. Right? I right. think that's especially true when they're they're working a job and they have a family. And and that's the real story that I think we hear so many times in the forums over and over and over. We see this question pop up and it's, how do I make or start to try to make a living? Even just get started yeah. with a family and a job and the weight of the world on my so- shoulders because it feels like so much. And I don't know that that's the situation here, but it feels like that same kind of sentiment of, this feels like so much work mm-hmm. given everything else I have on my plate right now. You know, there's a couple things I just want to share real quick. And uh, one of them is that if you are feeling this kind of burden, you know, the burden of blogging, the burden of podcasting, mm-hmm. <laughs> the burden mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of of content marketing. What you else? Know? You got to make that content. You got to get it out there. You got to get those hearts, those likes, those likes on that thing. Get a retweet, Right. Can I get a retweet? Feel that burden. Can I get a retweet? If you feel that burden, retweet. Then you don't have to carry that alone. You do not, folks. No. In fact, you can lay that burden down right now. Corbett Barr is going to tell you how. Go for it, Corbett. What were we going to say? <laughs> the other thing that I was uh, pleasantly uh, happy to hear, I guess, if that's a, a phrase, um, is that she said that. Uh, Prior to joining the Fizzle community, she heard all this stuff about audience. And when Barrett brought this up, I was worried that uh, we were the ones maybe that had pushed mm-hmm. her to build an audience. And now she found out that she maybe doesn't want to go that route. Because we push audience, We do. Right? We talk about it a lot. But what I wanted to point out was that she she brought up a uh, a term, and it's in caps here. She calls it the established sales platform. And the reason she's mentioning that is because it's, it's a, a part of our roadmap. Now, when we talk about the second phase of the roadmap. We talk about this iteration that happens where you build an audience, you build a product, and then you smash the two together, try to see if you know sales result from that, and then you kind of go back and iterate on that. But 
in the audience building portion of that, we're not only talking about traditional, you know, content focused audience development. We're also talking about other methods of reaching people. And one of those is what we call the established sales platform, which means that you are operating under someone else's existing platform like Amazon, for example, where there are uh, sellers and buyers. And if you decide to become a seller there, then you get access to those buyers. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and so and, and, and let's talk for a second about why we push the audience platform, building your own audience so much. Okay. What it makes me think of immediately is that, well, actually, Steph, what, what's your gut on, on what, why, why build an, an audience uh, instead of just, just building your business on the back of, of Amazon or, or Creative Market or something like that? Well, you know, we talked about this actually just a few episodes ago when we were talking about uh, Emma Davies and Instagram, right? It's kind of the same. It reminds me of that oh, a little bit. Yeah. When um, Emma was asking us, you know, why can't I just pursue microblogging on Instagram and build my empire that way? And we had a very similar conversation around the pros and cons, and, and it can be very beneficial. But the problem is, and, and we talked about it in that conversation as well, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Etsy, Minted, Amazon, any of these things, you are at the mercy of what happens with those companies. You don't know what's going to happen with Facebook changing their rules, as, as an example. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, I think having a strategy that you're in charge of is really where we sort of fall down on it, where even if you are using these platforms and they're, they're amazing platforms, Etsy in particular is one that comes to mind for me. I know a lot of people have had a lot of success even just breaking into a makery type of market using Etsy. But at the end of the day, you're going to have customers who not only buy your stuff, which is great, but also want to be able to follow you and know more about you and potentially be serial buyers. And for them to have to keep going to that established sales platform, I think is a little bit cumbersome as compared to being able to follow you in your own boutique of some kind. So there's just some, I think, some advantage of having a place where people can go to learn more about you and to follow you more directly. And then, of course, you have that captive audience where you can be in front of people and deliver your message to them without being so beholden to other platforms that are out there. Yeah, there's this there's this uh, sort of double edged sword of you can use Amazon to or or Creative Market or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook to actually get into the ears and eyes and hearts of people who are who are using those things because there are a lot more people using Facebook than there are who are going to come across your blog, right? But at the same time, that means that you're basically in a partnership with that platform, and that platform can choose to do whatever it wants to um, with your content. It, like, for example, Facebook can stop send, showing your stuff to other people unless you start paying, which is what they started doing to businesses. Um, and and that's that's par for the course. If you're a business trying to get in front of people, that's called advertising. We've had to pay for that since, since the dawn of, of the industry. But um, that can be kind of a, a harsh reality when you've built your whole audience on this one platform, then it can kind of go away. Now, that's sort of doomsday What I really want to say about the audience thing, like we, and by the way, when we talked about this was in Blogging is Dead Again, episode 146. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, <clears throat> what, what really is the thing here is is someone, for example, on Creative Market, someone might buy uh, some of uh, Angela's, uh, I don't know, what, what she's selling, maybe Photoshop or, or Illustrator brushes or something creative like that, right? Someone might buy those, but depending on how that relationship or interaction works, you might not have another way of getting in touch with them. 
This is where the relationship with someone over a long period of time is something that's built into a lot of other businesses. And most businesses since the dawn of time, that's like kind of been a thing. And now we can just kind of like onesie twosie pick stuff up and 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 it makes it really hard on small businesses and if you don't have that way to continue the relationship. So there's nothing more powerful than actually being able to email your your uh, your audience and say, oh, hey, I've got a new version of these brushes that are out now. As, a me- as, a, as someone on the email list, I'm giving you 15% off. Here's a coupon code to use at checkout. Um, that, that can drive so much more in the long run than than just simply accessing these things uh, through through existing sales channels. Now, that's the gamble. Is like, how do I? Okay, I can use existing sales platforms right now, and if I'm getting sales there, that's good. We want to continue to foster that, but we also want to continue to foster your own audience building because in time, this might be this might become the more important thing, even if it isn't right now. Because what can happen is something can happen to creative markets, something can happen to Etsy, something can happen over here to where it's not as successful for you anymore. Um, and where you just, you're, you're maybe able to have, have more effective sales through your own channels. Anyways, that for me, what am I missing, Corbett? What am I missing in that about, about why build your own audience? Well, the, the other big uh, gap I think here is that she's making this assumption that it's going to be easier to get sales from an existing platform than it is to build her own audience. And I, I think that's a, that's a flawed assumption depending on which marketplace you're in because this idea that she's having that, hey, you know, there's a bunch of buyers out there that are already in these other places. Why don't I just build products and put them out there and then magically I'll get sales? Well, thousands of other people are having that same thought every day about Amazon or, or, um, or you know, one of these that she's talking about for designers specifically. So the, the issue is that you can build a product and put it up there, but that doesn't guarantee any sales at all. So the point of having an audience isn't only to be able to make direct sales to those people. But a lot of times when you're trying to get something out there, you know, it's it's not as if um, bestsellers on the New York Times list happen because they're good books. They happen because these people who release the books have massive networks of their own and they're able to go to those networks and prime the pump by selling a bunch of books up front, which then gets them on the New York Times bestseller list, which then sells a bunch more books. This exact same thing is true of any of these existing platforms. When you go to this platform, you have to have some way of getting the word out. It's just like publishing a podcast even, like on iTunes. You have to have some way of getting the word out so that some reviews happen, some sales happen, so that then the algorithms that exist on these sales platforms start to work for you so that your product starts to appear to the broader audience that you don't have access to, the broader Mm. audience that's part of that sales platform. So I think there's a bit of a, a chicken and the egg problem here. And even if you go after the established sales um, platform, you need to think about what's my first step? How am I going to prime that pump? And usually a good answer to that is to at least have some semblance of a following. Even if it's only 50 or 100 people, you can at least go to those people because they're interested in your thing and you can say, hey, I just released a product. If you buy it, you know, I'm happy to offer you a discount this week and I would love to get a review from you. Mm. 
Now, Barrett, I'm going to throw it to you here in a second, uh, but I just want to restate what you said because I think it's actually really important. You're saying that like the assumption here is that you can make more sales on an existing, uh, you, you know, platform or marketplace, right? I don't know that that's necessarily the assumption, though. Okay, but I mean, let, let's let's speak to it for a second because I think a lot of people would like, well. Well, I, I buy all my, you know, digital fonts or, or things like that on Creative Market. Why wouldn't I just sell my prints and things mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. right? And then it's like, oh, I would just sell it there because that's where it's happening. Okay, yeah, and that's yeah. true. That, I mean, don't don't, don't uh, disregard the fact that that could that is a, a, right. going to be a a, ch- a channel mm-hmm. for sales. But there's this other thing that I think going back to that heaviness about making doing the content thing for a lot of people um, that it, it feels really challenging. It feels really hard compared to maybe I just put a product out there and and then see how it goes. You know what I mean? And I think what Bear, what, what Corbett's just saying is is that's that's an assumption for a lot of people starting out. And what you find is that actually the things that are that sell great are selling great because the maker of those things have their own audience, have their own blog or community, or whether it's even using Tumblr or Instagram or something like that. But they've grown an audience to drive interest to those mm-hmm. things. And I just think as, a, as, as that needed to be restated. So thanks, Corbett. That was a great point. Now, moving on to you, uh, Barrett Brooks. I can tell you had something to say there. Uh, in the meantime, I'm, I'm drinking this Lacra energy drink. It is delicious. There is nothing like bubbles to get me through the afternoon slump. All right, Barrett, over to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying your bubbles. Um, so in my mind, one of the reasons we talk about audience first is a lot of times to help people through that period from waking up one day and saying, I want to be an entrepreneur to having the skills and knowledge and, um, understanding of real problems necessary to build something people want to buy. That's the big thing for me is it gets you from someday I hope to build a business to understanding an audience's problems enough that you can build a thing that they'll buy. Mm-hmm. If you already know an audience really well, because you've been in a business where your job was to serve a particular audience and you just didn't think that employer was doing it that well, so you're gonna go do it for yourself or or whatever. Maybe you've spent a lot of time as a fisherman, so you know exactly what the challenges that fish, new fishermen face are or whatever. You might be able to skip some of that. And maybe you have a big enough existing network where you can sell something that they'll all want to buy and that'll get you started. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm hearing in Angeline's email to us and in the question is not necessarily that she thinks it's just going to magically happen, but that it feels too hard to do these design tutorials as a way to make it happen. Yeah. And I don't know that she sees making the tutorial, the connection between yeah. making tutorials and selling things on these platforms. I think you're right. As I'm reading through it, as you're talking again, I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know what? It would feel like she's talking about like having this feeling like, why am I, why am I working on this right, right now? Shouldn't I be working on my product? Mm-hmm. Because you don't sense the connection right. between the media that you're creating and the sort of the how that's going to interact with the sales stuff, right? right. Yep. We hear like we should do content, we should build our audience, we should do a thing, and our head jumps. We we, we don't we don't spend a lot of time thinking about all the different options, looking at all the different ways that we could do that, and then deciding one based on how we feel and how our audience probably is. We just kind of like latch onto one idea and 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 just run forward with it because well I don't know because that's what happens. Um, and so I think it's it's an important point that you're bringing up, Eric, that like she is uh, potentially um, maybe maybe. Uh, uh, 
I don't know, like, like too committed to something that she doesn't know. Like deep down, she knows this might not work, mm-hmm. but she's not really talking at that level. Right. She's right. talking at the like, I have to do this thing in order right. to, to keep going. What are you thinking, Steph? Well, that's something I jotted down too. I, I, I got that exact same vibe that Barrett's talking about. To me, it felt a little bit like perhaps the content she's creating is just simply too disconnected from what she's trying to create product wise. So the example I kind of came up with, I was thinking about this. I'm out of the two sites she mentions, I'm more familiar with minted.com, which I know to be kind of like art prints and greeting cards and things like that, that you can buy that are really pretty and um, fun to purchase and send to friends and things like that. So for me, like I'm kind of imagining her, I don't totally know the details of what she's working on, but I imagine her, like let's take greeting cards, for example, that she's designing. To me, it's like, I think she probably thought about her or potentially, I guess I'm assuming she looked at her content and said, oh, well, what do I know? Like, what can I teach? Well, I know how to design stuff, so I'll teach that on my blog. However, if she looks at it from like, what is she really passionate about doing? Perhaps it's creating the product. There are a lot of designers out there who I've seen that will create something like free iPhone wallpaper that you can give away and yeah. like a free download for your iPhone background uh, or free you know desktop background. Maybe something like that would be a little bit closer connected to the end product that she's creating. And that might be a similar audience because right now it feels like two different audiences. If I'm purchasing a greeting card because it's beautiful and I want to send it to a friend for a birthday, that's a different audience than somebody who is interested in design skills. So that to me might be part of why she's feeling kind of overwhelmed and maybe even torn in a few different directions because perhaps they just aren't sim- they just aren't fitting together right now. Yeah, I think that, that uh, now Barrett's just... Uh, found her her um, profiles on Minted and Instagram and on Creative Market, which is great. I'll put those in in the show notes for us. And I have to apologize. Uh, I called Angeline Angela earlier, and I, I am just deeply... Editorial deeply, note. Deeply saddened by my lack of professionalism. How could you? How could I indeed? So to Steph's point, as we look at her Minted and her Creative Market stores, you can see some diversity of products here. You know, she's got a number of um, invitations, kind of bridal shower invitation, engagement party invitations, um, a business holiday card, a minimalist resume template uh, on over on Creative Market, and a seashell image temp, um, package on Creative Market. So even in, you know, let's say that's six products basically that she's got for sale on Minted and then on Creative Market. And we should just say that Minted is kind of a place where you go to buy stationary invitations, um, letterpress kind of stuff that you send out to friends, family, whatever, for different occasions. Creative market is where you can sell design resources, creative resources, like Chase was mentioning earlier. And so inherently, these two markets are built for different audiences. And so I can definitely see why there would be some conflict, some internal conflict even for Angeline over, wait, who are these design tutorials for again? And how does this relate to what I'm selling? Because in the best case, she's going to be able to sell two of six products out of those design tutorials. Because if I'm buying engagement party invites, I don't care about design tutorials. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for that. So it's not going to help lead to any sales. Yeah. So that's the part of the disconnect here, I think. Yeah, and I think when I when I which for me as a designer, I chalk it up to uh, the first place I want to go to is is getting focused or having a focused a, a focus on both of these things. Do you know what I mean? So if it's like, okay, listen, my my wedding uh, stationery is pr- is selling mm-hmm. pretty good. 
and it's probably the thing I have the most interest in. Mm-hmm. Then it's like that's a different thing. Okay, let's let's hustle. Let's do a little bit of hustle and a little bit of content mm-hmm. to get that going. Because where I would go with that is like who buys that stuff or who introduces people to that stuff. I totally. think about wedding planners. I think about those blogs. I do some specials over there. I do yada yada. I talk to creative market or. Mm-hmm. But the hard part is is you got to hustle up those sales. Yep. Right. And just because you're not writing blog posts or making to design tutorials or something like that doesn't mean that you're not you know you're not doing the audience thing right audiences can totally grow one or two relationships mm-hmm. at a time and that can be like you know friend of the show jason glasby who loves who hates blogging he's like he's f- like you know famously an internet entrepreneur with a lot of success and he's like i've tried to do blogging so many times i've tried to build an audience i can't do it so eventually i just gave up and what i did is i started making products and i started doing affiliate stuff and getting it out mm. through other people's audiences yep you know what i mean and so that and then eventually that turned into him creating his own thing totally product first that d- turned into paleo plan that was a huge audience afterwards right. right and so what what someone like angeline wants if if she's going to go the invitation route for example because even the wedding invitation route is very different from the business holiday card route those are different audiences and that's not to say she can't have all those different products but this does kind of lend itself to not building your own audience because you're going to be better off if you go partner up with 10 wedding bloggers to do their roundup post of best uh, invitations of 2016 or whatever Mm -hmm. and get one of your invitations on there and then go do some partnership with a business blog to uh, highlight her business holiday cards and then go do a partnership with uh, I don't know designcuts.com and uh and let them do the seashells images as part yeah. of one of their packages or something. So it is possible that she doesn't need to build an audience and that her interest and her talents don't lend itself to having one cohesive audience that wants to buy all of her things. Yeah, this is uh, it's 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 interesting to see the uh, the tangible quality of, of of this kind of work now and then kind of makes me go like, all right, I'm seeing Steph what Steph was saying kind of all over the place in terms of, not all over the place, just trying a few multiple things to, to see which one's going to work, right? That's what we do when we're trying to figure out what the heck we're going to do, right? What's going to work? You're just like, try, you're hit knocking on every door seeing which one's going to open, right? you know? And that's what entrepreneurship is like. That is exactly what it's like. Um, so, so now as I look at this, what I hear from Angeline is, what if the best way for me to grow my revenue is to have 25 products because one of them might become a hit post. So she's kind of thinking of products in the terms that we usually think of blog posts. Which is very common in a world like Minted and Creative Market, mm-hmm. where a product is a $10 sort of like collection of fonts or or whatever, you know, stock photos about X, right. Y, and Z, things like that, where it is a small collection of things, mm-hmm. smaller priced in an existing market. And then you just like we have a fizzler, uh, Dustin, who, who does this like hugely successful in Creative Market, right? Totally. That's the one. So, you know, from that angle, well, I don't know. I don't have experience on creative market. I don't have experience on minted, but I can see there being an argument for getting 25 wedding invitation designs out there to see if one of them might become a bestseller over the next year and help drive some of that bread and butter earnings Mm -hmm. in that amount of time. I don't know if that's going to increase your chances or not. I think that that's kind of hoping you win the lottery a little bit. Yeah. So what I'd say is, Yes, do that. And also go partner up with some people that can promote your stuff to their existing audience of people who are going to be interested in it and see which, you know, engineer it so that you find out which of your products are going to sell best instead of just waiting on it to happen on these platforms. 
Yeah, Corbett, what are you hearing over there? Yeah, I, I I agree with Barrett. I think the the just taking a bunch of shots in the dark twenty five times is a little bit like hoping you're going to win the lottery. And and so I would hope that she would take a hybrid approach. And I think building an audience doesn't have to mean that you're putting content out there. It can just simply mean that you are, um, you know, maybe maybe if she makes some sales on these platforms, she's able to to get in touch directly. I notice this happens on Amazon now when you buy something. You know, sometimes a few days later, you'll get a request from the seller yeah. asking you um, either to leave a review or to give them feedback or whatever. And I find those not to be very effective. So I, I think you'd have to figure out a, a good way to do it. But it could be that she can build an audience by partnering with other folks and, uh, you know, maybe doing a, a session on how best to use one of these products that she's, uh, you know, maybe she could do like an online session on on how best to use one of these products and then capture those email addresses so that she can talk with those people directly because the um, stabbing in the dark, I think, could lead to a long road of frustration where she puts out 10 products and, you know, it might feel hard to put out content, but it's also really hard to put out a lot of products. Um, time mm-hmm. and time again. And so she might put 10 out and then get tired and never have that breakthrough. And so the the alternative to that would be to put a product out and then to try to be building a small audience for the sole purpose of getting feedback to find out how you can improve that product so that the next one has a likelier chance of succeeding. And then each you know successive product after that has a, a higher probability as well. So that maybe she doesn't have to take 25 chances to get one. Maybe she only has to take five or three. And that way, it's more likely she'll stay in the game long enough to actually have a success. Yeah, it's interesting with these tiny products, right? They're great. They're, one of them is uh, image files of just seashells, just a bunch of different kinds of seashells. It costs $10 on Creative Market. Um, and... Um, and I'm sure that's not the only package like this on on Creative Market. And you can imagine, you know, doing the work and cutting out, you know, images of seashells and a handful of other stuff, and and doing doing other other packages like that, and just trying to do 25 of those. You could do that in 25 days, maybe even. I don't know, uh, but I doubt it. The 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 idea that you're kind of bringing back Corbett, which is to me a really important one, is is not just how do you sell today, but but what does this look? What does this business look like over the long haul? And what I do kind of uh, so there's there's like there's the technology or like the infrastructure of that. There's like email or like how you're getting them from Creative Market to your blog or what are the ways that that you're kind of getting them not only to buy your products or but but in the process kind of subscribing to your list. Being uh, also this is the bigger thing for me though. I'm in a vein where uh, like or a niche or a topic that. Uh, that that I want you to email me when you come up with new stuff like this. Do you know what I mean? I only want a wedding invitation one time in my life, hopefully. Do you know what I mean? And and so the relationship with the individual is is less interesting over a long period of time, unless you're you're that individual is a wedding planner or a you know what I mean. And that and that because and I know that because wedding wedding industry is massive. You know what I mean? Huge. It's a huge industry, and exactly. I know a lot of people who are who are make their living strictly by that. So none of their customers are repeat customers, effectively. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or you know, ideally, you hope not. <laughs> yeah, you hope not. And but in, so for to- photographers, oftentimes it'll do like family portraits later on or right. something like that. But but the point being, there are some some interesting you know uh, ways that different topics or niches kind of have 
their modes of, of communicating that, that do and do not make sense. So, um, and, and, and just because one, just because like the wedding industry doesn't have a long sort of like tale of relationship uh, associated with it typically, doesn't mean it's a bad industry. Like I said, it, it, it keeps a lot of people very gainfully right. employed. Um, and so, so it's this, it's this mix where I see, I see, uh, you know, a lot of trying in the dark, doing a lot of, doing a lot of stuff, clearly talented, clearly able to do a bunch of different stuff. And Angelina is kind of like, I don't know which feels necessarily like home. I know I need to, I I can, I have the ability to put products up on a marketplace right now. Like immediately I can do that. And then that way, if anybody finds it, they can, they can buy it. That's cool. And then the question is like, okay, so how do you want, for me, it's hard not to go back into like, so if you could, if you had to wave a magic wand, like what, what would your life look like? Which audience you would, or what kinds of things would you be making right now? It might be only, it might be like SD, like not a standard definition. It's just like, I don't know, man, I just don't want to have to work for this stupid job sure. anymore. You know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, I'm trying a bunch of stuff and doing that. But, but the more resolution we can get, the more HD we can get about like, what do we, what do I really, what would I love for my life to look like? Is it, is it making different wedding stationery, keeping up with the trends and doing things that are a little trend forward so that like all of the hip brides are like finding yeah. my stuff and fired up about it. And then I go from selling, you know, $10 uh, things on, on minted to selling, you know, $30,000 custom stationary things to George Clooney. I don't know. Maybe he one day will get married. I don't well, know. And the other way to look at that is if that's one bookend, you know, what you want your life to look like down the road as a business owner. Yep. The other bookend to me today is how do we take just one of these and sell $1,000 worth in the next 14 days? Mm. And and look at it just that way. Let's not create any more products. Let's not do any more content creation. Yep. Let's use, maybe we take the growth process from stage eight of the Fizzle Roadmap and we say, hey, go in there with this one product in mind and brainstorm every idea you can think of for how you might take this thing from $0 to $1,000 in revenue in the next two weeks and then get to work on that list and see what of the strategies can work and see just over that period of time, is it even possible for one of these things to make you $1,000? Because if you can make it with one of them, you can probably do that with a number of them using some of the same strategies over and over. But you also have to realize that the same effort required to go from zero to $1,000 is gonna have to be done over and over and over until you get this flywheel turning where you start to get some more momentum and people start paying attention to your brand. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. It's an interesting question, right? So I'm immediately looking at her products and going like, okay, so what could we do, for example, selling $1,000 worth of one of these things or some holiday gift cards and and some wedding invitations? I mean, I immediately go to go to wedding invitations. It's wedding season. I mean, we're in February and, and April, May, June is big wedding season, at least in the US. Yeah. So what would you do? What's, what's one, one thing? I mean, I immediately think of like wedding blogs and I think, I think the, there's, a, there's a very interesting, good idea on, on your card here, Angeline, uh, one of them. And, and so it's like, it's interesting and it's good. And I think it's the kind of thing that like, if it's, if it's, if it's just peddled around all the different websites and blogs and, and things about the, about wedding type stuff and Mm -hmm. prep things, if it gets, if it gets its way into, into even books or publications about this kind of, kind of stuff, it could probably lead to a ton of sales. Yep. And I might, uh, you know, maybe what she's missing right now, at least from what I see on the, on her minted store is... I think she might be missing a wedding invite. She's got the engagement party invitation and a bridal shower. So I, I might go ahead and make a wedding invitation. 
And then I'd, I'd have my little package. I'd have my bridal shower, my engagement party, and my wedding. Yeah. So now I've got three, and they all look the same, and they're coordinated and all that. Brides love that stuff. I'm getting married in April, in case you were wondering, Angeline. Uh, Barrett's getting fired up. <laughs> I would go find one friend who's getting married or somebody you know who's getting married in the next three months and say, hey, if you'll use these, and if I can take some photographs of the process and like, you know, see, see you doing it, then you can promote it on Instagram, you can use it on Pinterest, you can yeah. start using some of these tools that brides are out there using to plan their wedding, mm -hmm. because Pinterest is a huge one. The bridal Pinterest board thing is if you look that up on Google, <laughs> you guys should see Barrett's face. Literally, like make themselves sick with stress making Pinterest boards <laughs> about their wedding to some man they've never met yet. Yeah, that's yeah. how bad it is. But anyways, that's mm. happening out there, and so that's a channel you can use. And so there's all these different levers you can pull if you think of. Oh, hold on, let's get very specific. So I'm saying I would take. I I like the idea of filling in the sort of products so you have yeah. this like package. Yeah. You're like, hey, get all of these yeah, because together. If I'm, if I'm if I want to use your your invites, I'm not gonna use the same template for my bridal shower and for my engagement party and then use something else for the wedding. That yeah. seems odd to me. Like mm -hmm. it just seems out of alignment. Okay, so, so you, you you've complete let's say you uh you've completed that that package. Mm -hmm. What what do you you're you're saying like you get you have uh ask a friend or maybe some of these clients that are that are potentially buying it already. Could you could I come and photograph the thing or something like that? Um I'm saying definitely try to go find blogs. Uh it, like what I do is what you do is you you write you you like have uh great photos of these things in the wild. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you you need that. You need that kind of touch, that Pinteresty touch. And you're you've clearly got a got a good eye, Angeline. So you you know what you're looking for, and how and when you've made it, and then you're like getting that out in front of like to the to like a bunch of emails, like a like like a hundred emails to everyone that you can find who's a writer or a publisher in this blogging space of, around sort of wedding stuff, getting your invitations into reaching out to Pinterest board owners and things like that. That's how the content. I mean, that's how you do how you get a piece of content more popular, and, and I've had a little bit of success with that just by sending just literally fifty emails mm -hmm. to, yeah. to to people who run websites. And almost everyone, you know, just roughly generalizing, almost everyone knows three people who are getting married this year. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, then you can probably email almost anyone you know and say, "Hey, do you know three people getting married this year? Because if you do, I would really appreciate it if you would." send them the link to my, you know, minted store for weddings and mm. see if they might be interested in my invites. So it's an interesting uh, experiment to say, like, what would what would we do? Barrett or, or Corbett and Steph, do you have anything to add on, like, okay, if you had this, say you were focusing on the wedding thing, w anything else about about what, what you do to sort of try to drum up a good chunk of revenue in, in a short amount of time, Corbett? So the what I wanted to point out is maybe a broader point here, which is, we're not saying, yes, Angeline, you have our permission to just go create products and that's all you do. Mm -hmm. We're now brainstorming ways for her to get customers. And that's the whole point of building an audience in the first place is that when you build an audience, yes, you get feedback on your product and it helps you make a better product. But then when you finally release the product, hopefully there are people willing and ready to buy your thing. Because that we all know that the, the worst feeling in the world is putting a product out there and then not selling any of it for weeks after weeks. So- you guys are brainstorming ways to do that externally. I would just throw in there that 
any of these platforms have rules of engagement. We talked about this with, uh, with Emma and Instagram. Instagram has its own rules of engagement that are different from Facebook. They're different from Twitter. And these sales platforms have the same thing. There are ways that you go about engaging other people on the platform or getting people into the platform on your behalf so that they leave reviews or whatever. But your job is to become an expert at Creative Market or wherever it is to figure out how do I raise my profile within this site so that I can start to take advantage of those network effects that happen because there are a lot of buyers already on that. You know that these things are skewed um, tremendously towards just a handful of people at the top who make hundreds and hundreds of sales. You see this on Etsy. It's amazing. Some people on Mm -hmm. Etsy have thousands and thousands of reviews. I've seen people with 10,000 more reviews for products and you know they're selling the <laughs> out of those products. Um, <laughs> okay. Whoa. Whoa. But, okay, keep but going. But that didn't necessarily <laughs> right. that didn't necessarily happen simply because they had a great product. Hopefully it does in some cases. Hopefully you create a product and it just really strikes a nerve with someone and there's not much competition out there and people are looking for it and they find it and that happens naturally. Great. But we all know that it usually takes a little bit more than that. It takes a great product plus some hustle. And so your goal should be to figure out what are the rules of this platform and how do I raise my profile to start tapping into the the buyers that are there searching for things. I like mm-hmm. it. Steph, anything else to add? Yeah, you know, I think I love I love where we've gone in this conversation. I think the idea of having a cohesive package makes total sense. It's a great suggestion that Barrett started. In fact, when I got married, I actually literally did go to Etsy and I hired somebody to design my little invitations and everything that went with it. So that's something I actually did and it was it worked out great. So I think that understanding and Barrett has a great point too it's very clear that he's getting married that you do want to have sort of like that thematic feel to everything that you create so if we're talking about weddings I think that makes total sense I'm still and kind of to piggyback on what Corbett just said I'm still kind of like in the back of my mind brainstorming I don't want to see Angeline lose sight of creating content on her own platform that's fun for her and that feels Mm. true to her and to her own brand I have a really good example of this somebody that I follow there's a website called saffronavenue.com Angela her, her name is, is Angela. I don't know her last name. She runs this site. I've never worked with her, but I, f- I find myself following her. She does website design and she's done some really high profile website design for people. And um, she has a great blog. It's just beautiful. I love the way that it looks. I love the topics that she writes about. I have no idea why I'm so attracted to it, but I follow her on Instagram and I enjoy reading her blog posts with the, the products that she creates. And she shares the boards that she's um, create these like mock-ups that she's created for her clients. And it just works so well with the suite of products that she's offering. So to someone like Angeline, I, this is a great example to me of someone who I think is doing this really well. It does go back to that conversation we had in episode 146 about how can you make your established platforms just work really well with your own platform. We talked about Instagram and how you can put a link in your profile that takes people to something special on your own page. I would love to see Angeline think through how she can integrate her own platform with the more established platform so the two are working together in a way that supports her entire business. Yeah, I will oh, keep going. Well, the one thing I'll say about that is I, I think if you're going to go after weddings, it, it may be a futile effort, futile effort to go after a wedding audience because there are massive aggregator sites that go after a wedding audience. And I just feel like it's so demoralizing to have an audience that naturally only is going to buy from you one time. 
And it's so much effort to build a big enough presence in the wedding industry to to actually appear in any kind of search result or anything else for one line of invites that if you're going to go to the wedding industry, I might say, don't build your own audience. But I, what I like strategies. is, what I like about what you said, Steph, you brought it back to like, I hope you find a way to make content that you find fun to make. You know yeah. what I mean? That 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 was what was missing from that talk about how heavy it can feel to to make a content oriented right. sort of project, because it can if your content has to do has to be a hit, right. right? If your content has to be a hit, if that's what you feel about it, it's going to be stressful. But if your content has to be fun, has to be true, has to be helpful then it doesn't necessarily have to be as heavy of a burden. And and a lot of our, you know, more popular posts that we have on Fizzle, they didn't start out as our most popular posts. They've been they've been getting search juice for the last 5 years, you know what I mean? And they weren't like they were I would say probably weren't even huge hits at, as soon as they were written, right Corbett? Because your audience was smaller at the time, would you say? But they've accumulated accumulated that over time and i think people really respond steph i think what you're responding to in saffron avenue is a is a sense of a person like being themselves right do you know what i mean like it's yeah. like there's something just inherently sort of interesting about that where you're just kind of like that's why that's why i listen to all the podcasts i listen to are like conversations like these they're yeah. real people you know what i mean and some, something about it is like more compelling than than uh than it, watching indiana jones or something Right. And I would also just add that, you know, someone just because we're using it as an example, Angela of Saffron Avenue, the website designs that she does, I believe they go for thousands of dollars. And I don't think this is the kind of product that somebody would really buy very often. But this is the kind of person that I think of if anybody came to me and said, and they were within this aesthetic and said, you know, I'm looking for a high end web design. This is just somebody that's always going to be in the back of my mind. And I think you can't underestimate the power of that referral. And the to your point, Chase, the fact that you kind of feel like you get to know the person, it does make that a little bit more sticky when it comes time when somebody asks you, hey, who should I go to for web design or who should I go to for wedding invitations? I just really like the idea of somebody having a home base where you can page flip through a beautiful portfolio of the work that she's done before. I think that's not to be overlooked in the land of wedding invites is having having a place where you can show off your work and show somebody a little bit about who you are, especially with weddings, because, you know, the wedding process is very personal. Hopefully you do only get married once and to have your invites to, to, to feel like the person you're working with on that gets you, I think is, is important and yeah. possibly can be captured by having some kind of platform that allows you to put that forward. Maybe. So I'll <laughs> say that's a perfectly valid perspective. And also I have absolutely no idea who made our wedding invites. I know that I like yeah. the way they looked. I know that I found them on minted.com and I know that they are now in the mailboxes of all the people coming to our wedding. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time, some people want that experience. Others don't. Others see it as an item on the to-do list that needs to get yeah. done today and it needs totally. to be done, you know, as soon as possible. And yeah, and, and you're thinking, I think, Barrett, principally from the perspective of like, how do we get, how do, how do I get revenue, right? How do I get revenue? And I'm, I'm coming at it, I think, from more of like a, how do I feel comfortable in my own skin and not feel right. like no, I'm, I you know, that. And so like, selling what, all my stuff. Trying keep to on. get at here is that, that like there are many different ways to do this. And I think one of the primary problems right now is she's got like four target markets. So one yeah. of the first things I would do is choose one. Yeah. Because right now she's got at least two types of markets. Yeah. One is designers, one is consumers. And she's got to pick one in my mind. To start with, not forever, but to start with, I would pick yeah. one. 
And then within those, I would pick one type of person within that. Mm -hmm. So either businesses or people having weddings, either people who want seashells or people who want the resume template. Yeah, because that's another thing. Like one of our other products was business, uh, like sort of winter, uh, you know, winter holiday cards or right. or sort of business fun business stationery mm-hmm. is the kind of thing that could also be just as as interesting to explore because i think you know one of the things that that's that's suspiciously absent here is angeline's own like sort of like what she's really interested in mm-hmm. you know i think right. she very possible that she made some invitations wedding invitation type things because she's like well people are buying this totally you know what i mean totally and so and so she puts it together but like she might have more interest in doing like Mm -hmm. this this that or the other and that's where to me it's like i'm really interested in that angeline and i would be really i would be really hopeful that you you allow yourself to explore that and bring the business sense to it Mm -hmm. right you know it's like we got we got to make some sales but we don't want to turn into a robot and it, just chasing sales does turn you into a robot mm-hmm. because the things that produce sales are the things that ruin the soul of of like a, a of an actual good product. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's this weird balance of having a spine. And the dream for me is, is for everybody listening is that you have a spine, and that's why you're getting sales. You know what I mean? And one way to do this, like you know, okay, so I'm looking at Saffron Avenue, and she's got so many photos of everything, but that does require you to have different things to have photos of. You know, you can't just post yep. photos of the same line over and over. One bridge here might be to pick a market and sell custom jobs for a while, make yep. designs for people that they specifically ask for, and right. now you're building a product library that can also serve you on Minted. But that's selling services in the short term, and that's something mm-hmm. different. And yeah. now I think you do have to have the soul. It is about like, who do I want to work with? What kinds of things do I want to make for them? How do I want to position myself? What's totally. my overall brand? All those things come into play then, and that might be the better way to go over the long term. To it's say, so funny these these websites that she's making. Like everything, it all looks the same, Steph. It's all the same design. It's the but same. But it's so thing. it's so pretty, and I love it. And so do a lot of people. Dude, my this is exactly it's the only thing my wife is trying to make with her own website. It's just like. It's crazy to me. It's, it's a all of the whole world is folding in on itself and, and until it just it looks the same. <laughs> it's crazy, but I like it. I like it too. <laughs> I kind of like it. There's something really attracted to you because it's like, oh, that that's just what websites look like right now for for if you're a lady blogger or if you're this that or the other, right? Anyways, um, I think we should call it there, you guys. I have been uh, Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett. I hope we've been helpful, Brooks. <laughs> I've been Steph Crowder. And we'll see you there, or we'll see you on another time. So there you have it. Thanks so much, Angeline, for being brave enough to share. We loved hearing from you. You can find show notes for today's show at fizzleshow.co slash 149. That's where you're going to get all the links from the show today. And a really important addition to this conversation, I think, is our guide on the top 10 mistakes that people make in online business. It's a free guide that you'll see right there in the show notes to help you sort of avoid what we see as the most common pitfalls in the road to building something great. Again, you're going to find that and all the other links at fizzleshow.co slash 149. That's 149. Here's a simple iTunes review from David Stephen K. from the U.S. of A. who says, cry, laugh, and learn. <laughs> and then, hilarious, but so inspiring. Amazing mixture. 
That's it. That's all he says. I love it. It was so simple. It's like the it's like the best iTunes review in the world because it's just so simple. Uh, thanks so much, David Stephen K. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do that, and I would appreciate it you too if if you spend a, a minute to to write a review of the show. You know our goal is to help you make progress on your business every week, every single week. So if you leave us an iTunes review uh, and a rating there, it can it can help us to find other entrepreneurs, which is our our sort of dream. Simply search for the show in the iTunes store and click write a review you know this show is called the fizzle show that should help that's all you got to search for once you get in there you could you probably do it in your sleep it's pretty easy a baby could do it it's a simple question a baby could answer it <laughs> okay that's all for now as Justin McRoberts says may your limitations be doorways to partnership and relationship rather than reasons to feel shame and isolation. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.